yes, we are your hosts. This is Nicole, and I am joined by Dexter. What's going on, y'all? And Armani. What's up, guys? And we are here for another episode of Paint Sundays Black. However, we are down to two shows now. We're down to Utopia and Fargo going on. So first off, we're going to talk about Utopia. So Armani, what have you done to earn your place in this crowded world? Today, um, I put, I did my laundry. <laughs> you did it? Like, did you put it in the washer or I, in the dryer? I put it in the washer. I started it before the podcast. Nice. Dexter, what did you do to earn your place in this world? I haven't done anything today that, no, I mean, I've been working. I, I got up and worked, so I guess that's it. <laughs> I don't know. So, what have you done to earn your place in this world? I haven't murdered anybody lately. Um, <laughs> I've been really nice, and I've encouraged people to vote. That's what I've done. Um, if you are caught up on Utopia with us, then you understand where this question is coming from. So let's go ahead and jump into episode three, Tuesday's Child, which opens up with Jessica standing up peeing. So fun fact, Jessica Hyde can stand up and she can pee. We've made the comment before that Jessica Hyde was a wild girl, but I think we further confirm that with this opening of this episode. I'm about to use that. I'm about to take a picture of that and like use it. And we're watching this show. People are going to be like, what in the world am I looking at right now? That's one of the craziest things I've seen. I mean, the way that they did that scene was so crazy. Like, you hear the, you hear the noise, and then you see everybody's disgusted face. Even the guy with the messed up eye is looking like, what in the world? But I guess it's all an effort to make sure that she keeps the gun on them. Yeah. She so she said, I got to go pee, so come on. You've got to be quick with the reflexes, yeah. They go to Olivia's funeral to try to get on where this comic is at since they still haven't heard from Grant. Poor Wilson in his whole, in his eye socket. He's, you know, still running out here with the empty eye socket. And he's got like tissue shoved in it. So I thought this was pretty hilarious. This scene, they're in the car, they're heading to the funeral, and they're sitting in the parking lot trying to figure out, okay, who should we talk to? Like as they're watching people go in there. And they saw this one guy, and they're like, eh, he doesn't look very chatty. And they saw this lady with a brooch. They're like, old women who wear brooches tend to tend to be chatty, so we'll focus on her. Wilson's just like, I need more tissues for my eye. Like, I need new tissues. And Jessica's like, you know what? Women have to deal with this all the time. You know what we do when we're unprepared? And he's like, what? She said, we suck it up and bleed. And I'm like, yo. We at least change it, though. I mean... <laughs> No one's just running out here on the, you know, unprepared like that. When they, when they said that, I was a little confused because I was like, I'm not a girl, but I don't think that's what y'all do. Y'all don't just suck it up and just bleed. That's not. No, there's usually backup. So like, yeah. Um, but I thought that was hilarious, and it just, I really, I'm really liking Jessica more and more. But she takes Becky inside with her, and we see Becky, you know kind of she's smart she's resourceful and she was probably the right person to take in with her but she handcuffs wilson and ian to the car not knowing that wilson can get the fuck out of handcuffs still which he does and he just keeps breaking his like what is it dislocating or you breaking your thumb out yeah i guess once it's a thing it's a thing mm. once it comes out it just slides out she said <laughs> oh my god <laughs> So, inside the funeral, we learn that the grandfather, because this was a question I had asked last episode, um, we learned that the grandfather worked in an asylum and that the comic book was, that the comic was drawn by a patient in the asylum. And we get Becky working the lady with the brooch and she's trying to figure out where is that. And she's the lady 
asked, but where did they live at? And then she starts looking at her like, wait a minute, this is seeming weird. She was giving her so much information without really like, I've never seen you before, don't really know you. Uh-huh. But I mean, it's a funeral for a younger person in your family. Like, you don't know who the fuck on Papa, who they friends are. But yeah, but she still was giving shit to them. So Eden questions if they should run. And Wilson's like, you know, and at this point, we kind of need Jessica. I got one eye. Yeah. Not much help to you. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, we also learn what Becky's situation really is. Because, oh, well, let's, let's back it. I'm sorry. Let's get to this point. They found the address. They get the address. They go to the grandfather's house. They're rummaging through the shit trying to find either where this asylum is or who drew it or found something. And that's when the three of them kind of get into the conversation of, why are we here? Like, let's run. Let's get away. And it's like, no, these people are after us. So far, Jessica's kind of kept us alive, so we need her. So dipping out, probably not the best bet. We also That's when we learned that Becky has the disease that's like a degenerative disease that causes seizures, causes her to be able to, like, causes her to stop breathing um, or restricts her breathing. And she feels like she's dying and that the cure to what she's going, what she has, which is called deals, which is a fictional disease. It's not real. She thinks the cure could be in utopia. So we're going to hope for that because I like her. She tells Ian that there's no reason for him to stay. However, he's just like, you know what? You make me stronger. So even if we're not boyfriend and girlfriend, you make me want to be strong. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. And I mean, Jessica's not going to let them go anywhere. So. <laughs> and then she did threaten Ian. He was, she threatened both of them with the other one. Like she threatened Ian. It was like, if you run, I'll kill her. And she's really nice. And I don't want to, but I will. And we know that Jessica's going to pop a cap in somebody's head without even a second thought. Um, so they find a picture. And they learn the name of the asylum. They start doing research. They found out the asylum burnt down and that no one survived. So at this point, we're thinking Jessica's dad is dead. And poor Jessica starts to have a breakdown. Not just a breakdown. This woman threw herself into a, what was it? She's underneath a cabinet? Yeah, she's underneath like a kitchen cabinet. I mean, if that's where you gotta go to kind of <laughs> unwind and, and deal with your things. Unwind. <laughs> her screaming. <laughs> Oh, I felt so bad for her. Like, first, when she was in the back seat of the car, she was picking up the seat, like, and she was sad. And there, and Wilson's, Wilson at this point has lost his eye and some of his emotions. Like, he's just mad, untapped at this. And the stuff he was saying, he was like, well, you know, it is what it is. And he was like, a little empathy would be nice. The girl just found out her dad is dead and her world is, is drawn by a crazy person in an asylum type shit. But she pops out of said cabinet and she's like, yo, I don't think my dad's dead. And we get another weird puzzle of we need to go here and we get the whole Tuesday's child thing, which she believes are coordinates to a map. She's got to find Artemis. And Artemis was a character in the comic that had saved her and trained her. So she's like, we're going to find Artemis. So I don't think my dad's dead. I think they faked my dad's dead. So she takes, she says she's going to go find Artemis and Ian volunteers to go because he wants to protect Becky. So he's like, I'll go with you on this mission or whatever. And she tells Wilson and Becky to stay still or stay there and don't run off. They stay and they attempt to make contact with Grant again, who they finally get in touch with. I don't know how, I still don't know how I feel about Grant's situation. Like, it just still seems like it's nice and him living in this house with this lady and she's being nice to him and this little girl. But I still feel like it's going to be some weird turn. Like, that just can't. And this weird ass show. There can't be any happiness here. Yeah, yeah. No, the show is too weird for there to be this one random little corner or pocket of pure happiness and innocence i feel what do you dexter what do you think about grant's living situation grant is i don't know how to take it because i don't know we don't know much about his background so like is he an orphan 
Like, he was hungry as hell. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. You know, I don't really know. It's just kind of watching, trying to figure out what they're doing with this young white actor. I think his name is Javon. <laughs> he was in Euphoria. This is the little boy from Euphoria. <gasps> this is the little drug dealer from Euphoria. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Street. Okay, that's change. That's all. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I like this kid. Okay, that's fun fact. So Grant does question the very nice lady and asks her, you know, why are you being so nice? Need to be treated nice, and he was like, but not everybody deserves it. Hmm. Like that. Yeah. Oh no, no, because yeah, he was like, just he's like, because. Some people need help. And he was just like, just because a person needs help doesn't mean they're worth helping. And she disagreed with him. That was, again, interesting. But I still feel like there's something there's something here. And maybe that's just the untrusting nature of me when it comes to TV shows like this. I'm still questioning it, but whatever. So Grant makes contact with them and they decipher his riddle to meet him at the Washington Library to get the book. So Wilson and Becky decide to go on a road trip. And I'm thinking to myself, when they're peeling the fuck off, like, Jessica gonna show up and kill Ian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, they're gonna return just in time, and Ian is gone. Uh, so the FBI raided the lab, raided Dr. Christie's lab with his mystery meat, and they're seizing it because they want to test it. And he's like, uh, "How about you let's continue production while you test it?" And they're like, "Nah, we're gonna shut this shit down. We're taking your meat." Well, that's going on. We've got Rain Wilson running around, uh, Mike, who wants to test. Like he tested. He did get a sample of the virus, so he knows it is the virus that he previously found and he had a cure for. However, we do learn that he's hesitant to just push this cure out there because this cure was tested on adults in the Peruvian military. So it was, it was tested on adults. Mm-hmm. And his concern is that giving kids a vaccine like this could be detrimental to their long-term growth and health and things like that. So a responsible scientist, he wants to do more, more research. And Dr. Christie's like, no, we want to get this out there, like, right now. Which kind of surprised me. I, I found it interesting that he would wants to get the cure out there. So I feel like maybe he didn't, he clearly did not create this virus. But he's, he's on board with curing it. Because then it's like, if you're curing it, there's no need to even worry about my meat. Because we have a cure. So what the fuck is in his meat? There's nothing in the meat. <laughs> we have this whole is the meat killing people which probably the shit is probably in this mystery meat that he's peddling and what was the point of this meat he sent it to schools it was like a like a healthier alternative to lunch meat got it okay so Jessica finds artemis who is a homeless woman she's living on the streets she tells jessica that her dad is dead and that she was like, I sent them to keep him away. And she's like, you sent them away? So is he dead? We don't know. Okay, so we still don't really know whether or not Jessica's dad is dead. After she's found Artemis, they have their little altercation. All right, so fight, she, finds, she finds Artemis. She learns that her she was involved with her dad being sent to the asylum and the reason why he's dead, in quotation marks. We don't really know if he's dead at this point. And then they seemingly get into a fight. While that's going on, Wilson... And Becky make their way to Chicago, which we're going to assume is, what they said was a nine, it was like a nine hour drive or five hour drive. I think they said where they were going was about a five hour drive from where they were at. Jessica made it seem like she was going down the street. Uh, Wilson and Becky find Grant and he's on the street waiting for them and almost gets scooped up by a police officer. Jessica and Artemis get into this fight. So we see where Jessica got her training from. Ian's dumbass was trying to stop the fight and trying to stop her. And then you heard the conversation. Like, you heard, because Artemis comment that 
you know, Jessica told Artemis, you know, you broke pretty easy. Like, you gave me the information I asked you for pretty easy. And she was just like, you're right. I did. Because I'm just tired. I'm tired of doing this. And Jessica's like, well, it's only going to be a matter of time before they find you. And she's like, you're right. It is. And like you said, I broke easy. And Jessica was like, well, that's not very good for me because essentially you know where I'm going and what path I'm on. So if they find you, you're just going to tell them what you've told me and I'm not safe. And Artemis was like, yeah, you're exactly right. So do what you got to do. Like I get you got to do what you got to do. So that proceeds to the fight in which Jessica kills Artemis. And Ian really jumped in like he had any kind of training. Yo. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what would possess him to think that he was going to be able to stop Jessica. (laughs) She's out here beating this big ass woman's ass. You watched her beat other people's ass. You watched her kill people, mercilessly. So you think you're going to somehow get the upper hand on her and stop this? Interesting. Yeah, it's children. Didn't watch. she just save his life? Didn't she just save his life? Mm, yeah, when the gingers pulled up on him. Yeah, I understand. What is? When do you? When do you switch the loyalty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This Ian, I don't think Ian's gonna be around for. I don't know. I, I don't I don't see him making it. He's 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 kind of he's mad annoying. I mean, I don't think he's going to die, though. I think I the little love affair with uh with Becky is going to keep him around. Yeah. OK, well, so she kills her and then she realizes something seems off about her fingernails. She starts popping them off and underneath Artemis's fingernails are tattoos with a code. So we find Jessica finds another clue. It is interesting how they are interweaving the things in this comic book or they're supposed to be in this comic book with real things and these weird ass clues just pop up. I feel like watching it the first time, I'm just like, what the fuck? But then when you rewatch, it's like, okay, this is, I, okay. So I felt like every episode has been better the second time I've watched it. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else feel like that? Yeah. Um, I think one of this show, is when they do like the little drawings and when they show like the comic book, like mm-hmm. they switch up the art style and kind of like have a part play. I just like the art style of that comic that they have. I think it's real dope. Okay. Dexter? Mm. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Okay. I think that the first time I watched, because I watched probably five episodes the first time that I started watching this and I feel like I didn't retain anything. Then I watched it again and it seems like, yeah, when you watch it a second time, I'm realizing that's the case with everything that we're watching because I pretty much watch everything that we do on a weekly basis at least twice. And usually that second time, obviously, everything kind of comes into perspective because you're watching it differently. We're watching it the first time. You know what I mean? You know certain things, so you look at it differently. You know, I think that's how it goes. So I like this show more after watching it over and over again. Like, it's a really well done show. However, it's not like all the other shows that we watch the pacing is different it's Uh just all it's i mean i want to say it's all over the place but not like lovecraft country all over the place it's all over the place in the same area in the same spot it's supposed to be like that you know what i mean they stay in the same area as opposed to you know lovecraft where they go everywhere you know what i mean but it's an extra random show every scene seems to be random and it's you know, things are racy, but it's just one of those shows where I don't know if I could recommend it to everybody and they would receive it the way that we specifically receive it. No, you definitely got to be someone who enjoys like sci-fi. And I, I, I don't even, I guess sci-fi, if you enjoy sci-fi, if you enjoy like 
comic book things. I, I don't even. You're right. I don't. I, I don't know how to position it. It's like watch it. I introduced it to you as like, oh, it's about a comic book. Yeah, you know, but I like comic, comic books. But I collect comic books. Yeah, so I, I feel. But yeah. I feel like I don't feel like you need to be a person who collects comic books or enjoys comic books necessarily to enjoy this because I still feel like it still is a good action. We're trying to solve a mystery with over the top humor, violence. But like, if you enjoy dark comedy, you'll probably enjoy. It. Like, I, that's the the lane of people that you probably want to suggested to i think it's just hard to understand what utopia is and i think that that would be the issue for normal people watching it just i mean regular i guess common people is what i'm talking about but like Mm -hmm. common folk watching it you don't find out that utopia is you still don't even i don't know like if you're confused about utopia you might be confused about this show for quite a bit (laughs) yeah i mean it's a it's a fun ride though it's it's because we don't know how much of it is real or it, obviously more and more of it seems to be real. Like she had freaking tattoos of a coat underneath her fingernails. So this shit is real. And it's going to be interesting. It's a, it's a fun ride. I will say that. I am enjoying the ride that Utopia is taking us on so far. This episode with Arby returning to Dr. Christie's house. And at first I was like, oh, is he going to kill him? Or what's going on here? And then no, Dr. Christie is his handler is what we learned. Um, he brings him inside. He asks him, you know, where's Utopia? And he shows him the pictures he has. And he asks him who's the kid. And he's like, I don't know, but I can find out. Kids are kind of harder than adults to to pin down. He shows him the picture with Jessica. And he's like, is that Jessica Hyde? And Dr. Christie's like, well, it looks like it could be. My question here and my thinking is Dr. Christie, Mr. Rabbit. Do you want an answer? Hell no, I don't want an answer. (laughs) I want to find out on the next episode (laughs) of Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) Oh, of course, I don't want you to tell me, but this is where I like it's. And that's what I mean by this show. It's a good ride. Like, I'm enjoying that at the end of this episode, we're like, oh, okay. So there's even more shit, clearly. Like, this doctor is not as benevolent as he wants people to think he is at all by any means so and he asked rb what did you do to earn your place in this crowded world and he starts listing his body count so he earned his place by clearing up some space mm-hmm. okay good way to put it <laughs> so yeah utopia episode three i will make comment that this next episode is where you really get the ruthlessness of this show okay that's all i'm gonna say all right so next week we will be in for a doozy now again this it's completely out there on Amazon. So if you're following along with us, one, we appreciate it. And, but you can obviously skip ahead and, and see what's going on. Just don't spoil it for us um, or for me because Armand has already seen it and Dexter has not seen it either. So, all right. Up next on the docket is Fargo episode six, Camp Elegant. Fargo episode six opens up with Ethelita and her parents celebrating her birthday and she's blowing out her birthday cake. And then we see some sort of ghostly figure behind her and it goes away when she blows the candles out. So do we feel like this was a real sequence or kind of like a dream? I was thinking this was a dream that she was having. Well, then, I mean, this is now the third time that there's been some kinds of haunting figure in this show. Yeah. So there's it's definitely something to this. What it is, obviously, we don't know. I will completely attribute it to the fact that she lived funeral home. <laughs> that probably has something to do with it. <laughs> like, she sure. 
everything's downstairs. So Lloyd then pops up on Otis in the shower, or Otis goes home and he jumps in the shower, or he goes in his bathroom, mm-hmm. and there's someone hiding in his shower. You think he's about to die. I was like, oh, we're just going to kill Otis. We got all that exposition of his backstory last episode just for him to die now. So I was, I was watching this like, I was right. That was a... <laughs> 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 so, you wanted to be right so bad. Oh, uh, yeah, I did. Not really. At the last minute, when we think that he's going to die and that he's being suffocated, they stick a knife in his mouth or stick a knife to poke a hole in it so he doesn't die. And we find out that Loy and his boys are there. And Otis is like, oh, I'll give you the money back. I can get you the money back. And Loy's like, nah. We get a great monologue. Now, every time someone makes a speech, I'm like, someone's going to die in this scene. <laughs> so when someone doesn't die, I'm like, damn, no one died. So Loy is giving this this speech to Otis. And he tells him, no, you're going to work for me now. And you're going to do what I ask you to do. And basically, he wants him to go get his son. So he tells him, you're going to go get my son out of that house. And Otis is like, well, how the hell am I supposed to do that? He's like, you're a cop. Just go in there with your badge and your gun and get him and bring him to me. Now... I was like, this was actually a good point. If Otis took backup, but you, you can't do that by yourself. Like, if he had went in there with a bunch of cops who were not on the take, then that would have been a smoother thing to get done. But that's not what Otis does. The other cop would have got him. If he had sent in uh, Deffy. Deffy would have got him. <laughs> yeah, Deffy. Yeah. Deffy would have walked in there. But, but Deffy walks around with the authority. Goodness gracious. Deffy walks around like a tough guy. As opposed to this other guy who knocks on the door 10 times before he walks in. <laughs> How poor guy. We see... Go ahead. Did we ever in this show get a time frame of how long they're supposed to have these kids? And that's been my question all these episodes. Um, uh, no. I don't... I, there's never... I, it's never really been said. I right? don't think they give them back. I think it's a flawed process. I think it's a thing that has a... It doesn't have an end. If you think about it, right? When they do these truces... A truce only lasts so long until shit gets real. So it's like them having each other's kid didn't like they never were following them two. Like you know, Loy and and uh, what's his name, Josto. Mm-hmm. They don't really follow code at all. I mean, it th- it's not keeping them any peace. They're still fucking with each other. But it was Gatano who started the bullshit. Like he's one when, when he came to town is when the shit came to town. Like that's when it got. That's when it became problems. Well, that's Josto started unraveling. However, they never treated that kid as if he was stopping them from doing anything on the other side. And then they don't even show the other kid, really. It's ridiculous how they don't even give a shit about... Zero. What's his name? Zero? Zero? Yeah, they don't give a shit about Zero. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, you're, you're right, because we don't at all see Josto... Oh, clearly Josto don't give a shit about his... <laughs> He's expendable. So, he hasn't even said anything about him. No, and you know what? That I mean, he I mean, did say something about him when the dude asked, but he hasn't even really said anything about him. Like, when they talk about going to get Satchel, like, they don't even talk about... It's weird no. for me to see how they treat the boy and how they don't treat their, you know, brother. Like, if, if you don't give a shit about your brother, then what's the point of it anyway? And I think this is going to make a callback to episode two, I believe, when sat there and talked to Zero when he took him to the visitation and was like, you know I care about you because I get face-to-face with you and talk to you, let you know what's going on. But they don't even let you in the room. Or how do you know if they're just dragging you along or if they actually care about you? Um, you remember when he said that to him? It's clear yeah. that Chris Rock really cares about Zero. Yeah, and I mean, he's is really person. showing Zero how to be a man. 
versus the other situation where they're literally they're letting the lackey take care of the lackey and they could care less what happens to either of them you know what that is a good build up for the possibility that zero will be the next rabbi mm-hmm. and, rabbi is the irishman yes who had turned on his family and we could see that with zero there's that could be something that happens we don't know we'll see we get to gatano and his weird He's in there stabbing a mannequin with a knife He's in there with his, his partner. And then we see Swanee and Zelmer get out the car and arrive outside of Katano's house. And they're kind of dressed up. So the Trojan horse get in there, pretend to be, you know, ladies of the night there to entertain. <laughs> and clearly that's not what they were there for. Because then you immediately start hearing fighting. You hear gunshots. Katano sends his boy down there to go find out what's going on. More gunshots ensue. Gatano's getting nervous. And then there's like a, a, a rattle at the door and Gatano fires off some rounds to the door. Now, I was immediately thinking, who would come through the door? I mean, like, that was legitimately like, you're not going to just stand in front. Well, okay, so. But didn't he just send old boy downstairs to check it out? Yeah, but you don't know who's coming back through that door. You don't know if he made it. You heard more oh, gunshots. You're right. So, but you shouldn't stand in front of a door. Who <laughs> went? <laughs> the person on the other side. No, just like could shoot through it. So you shouldn't just stand in front of the door. You should announce yourself. You should have been like, hey, it's me. I'm coming back <laughs> or something like announce yourself. There's a lot of nerves going on right now, but he doesn't. So he gets shot. And then we see Sonny is coming through the window behind him. And I was like, oh, so this is how like this is interesting. We're going to wrap up Gatano real quick. Got it. And then. Zelmer comes, you know, up the steps the front way. And you think, like, maybe... Like, and that's where Katano's focused on the door still. Doesn't know somebody's coming up behind him. And sure enough, she comes through that window and she shoots him in the head. And I was just like, okay, how many episodes are left? <laughs> like, we got to wrap this up. This We're six, on the right? downturn here. More bodies are dropping. However, we learn that he is not dead. And Zelmer made the comment to Sonny. She's like, they wanted him alive. She was like, well, I mean, that dude's kind of big. I don't know how the hell we wasn't we getting him out of here alive, <laughs> unharmed, totally. And then so, they proceed to try to pull him out of there. Yeah. Um, that that bullet must have grazed him, but I don't... Yeah, I, I, it looked like she had straight up shot him in the fucking head. So how he survived that, I don't know. People live. People I get live. So they take him to Loy, who ties him up and has him in a chair. We get another monologue, another conversation, another talking to. He has... One of his guys there who was a boxer. So he's telling him about his friend who was a boxer. He tells him he's about to pay for Dr. Senator's death. Like that's going to, killing him is what is what's going to get you killed. The fact that you did that. So you're thinking that Lloyd's going to kill him. After he has, this, you know, after he gets the shit beat out of him, he's going to die. That's what you think is going to happen. Find out that Ethelita did send that letter to Dr. or Nurse Mayflower's employer. And he's questioning her about it. Of course, she's got answers for everything. And she's like, well, can I know who sent it? And it's, He's like, oh, it was sent anonymously. So then she's like, oh, well, in that case, that's just probably some other jealous nurse or whatever. And he's like, you know what? You're right. We'll just chalk it up to women's bickering and squabbling or whatever. But when he puts the note down a little bit, she sees the handwriting. And she recognizes Ethelita's handwriting. So we know, one, I'm thinking to myself, has she not been in her closet since Ethelita cleaned her house? Because Ethelita left She ain't killed nobody. Okay, so we're just going to assume she doesn't go in that closet unless someone's about to die. <laughs> I mean, it's the poison closet. I don't need no poison unless I'm about to go poison somebody. Like, uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess that's the case. I feel bad for Ethelita. She's a serial killer. Yeah. 
So she looks at the note. It's very clear she recognizes the handwriting, so she knows who sent it. And she still, we we get another episode of her just kind of uh, wafting through the episode, and she's taking care of this patient who's crying or whatever. Josto, his, the consigliere comes back to Josto and is like, look, New York is saying that this stuff needs to get handled. And he's like, so you want me to kill him? Meaning Loy. And he's like, look, just I don't give a shit how you handle it. They don't care how you handle it as long as it gets handled. And that's when he learns that his brother has been taken and immediately he thinks he's dead and clearly he's okay with it. Mm, so that's cool. Anyway. Yeah. No and, tips. And, no fucks given at all. He could care less. Exactly. And this is at that moment also where he finally, because I've been just wondering like, yo, how is Kalamita just running around with Katano and no one's calling him out on it. But in this moment is when Jasta's like, and about you, you're, I'm your boss, but you still want to run around here with my brother doing fuck shit I ain't asked you to do. What's he the come, deal with that? He gonna come over there talking about something. I raised you or I watched you, I birthed, I watched you when you were born. I seen you grow up and he's like, I don't give a fuck. You're, <laughs> you're my boss. I mean, I'm your boss. I don't give a fuck. I'm your boss. Basically. He's like, oh, all right cool you know so that's gonna that's gonna play out later best believe that calamine has gone unchecked for way too long anyway and Jasto told the consigliere he's like hey take him and teach him what loyalty is we don't know why the fuck that's gonna play out like what that's gonna look like for him but he asked him okay so what else you know what does new york want they're like look they want to make you a boss however that's contingent upon you fixing shit with your brother so then Jasto's like ah oh, fuck <laughs> I need my brother. Because you can't just be like, oh, I don't, like, he could still just be like, oh, my brother's dead, so it's too late for that, so let's move on. But the thing is, Gatano has connections in Italy. So if Josto has let this get so out of control that his brother was killed and doesn't retaliate, because it, to me, it seems like Josto wants to, to make peace with Loy, get shit back to where it's amicable, and move on with his life. You don't really want to do any fight. Yeah, he's the most unintimidating Italian gangster I've ever seen in just any fiction, film, anything. Doesn't seem like. The yeah, way. I had to look him up. He's terrible. <laughs> he's not terrible at the at his role. He's just his role is such a like he's just such a pushover that's trying to appear like a tough guy. And as you can see, everything is unraveling. And like, you know, what I mean, you know how when somebody says like, yo, I'm the, I'm the boss and like mm. people start looking around like, okay, you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the type of thing that he has going on. Like, you know, even I don't see anybody really respecting him. Like no one on the show has really shown any real genuine respect for Josto at all. No. And, you know, it's kind of jacked up because when Josto does decide to assert himself, he does assert himself. Like he rolled up in that jail when all the black dudes were in jail. He flexed on that club. So he will, he's reactive instead of proactive. That's probably going to be Josto's downfall when all this happens. Because he doesn't really want to start anything. If shit kicks up, he gets in and he'll get dirty. But again, he's he's reacting to the situation. Um, But he tells the, he tells Anton, another one of his guys, to bring him, one, to take Loy's kid for a ride. AKA time to get rid of the kid. And he's like, well, if we do that, he tells him that if we if we kill him, they're going to kill your brother and it's going to start a war. He's like, well, you know, we'll just make it, you know, Gatano did it. The dude Anton's like, wait, what? He's looking real confused. <laughs> he's like, look, just do what I tell you to do. I will take care of the rest of the book. You just get rid of the kid. 
and tell Rabbi to come here. Tell Rabbi to come here and you take the kid, get rid of the kid. He's like, go ahead. I don't understand how he thought that plan was going to work when they had Gatano. He knew his son was all right. The, but the fact that Gatano's been moving the way he's been moving, he could easily have said that they did, like his plan was already in motion before Gatano was kidnapped, and that's part of the reason why Gatano got into the situation he is. Because truthfully, if the boy ends up dying and or goes missing, Lloyd kills his brother, they're like, well, that's why Lloyd killed him, because he had his son killed. It makes sense. Like, that's, okay. that's the easy way to, to yeah. And they'd be like, well, you know what? His brother was moving recklessly, and that's what got him killed. And that's why I'm going to go ahead and make peace with these people, because they have my other brother, and that's how he could justify not going to war over his brother's action. Because his brother was stepping outside of what should have been going. So I see I see Jostel's plan. I see what he's doing. He's not that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> he's, not, he's, he's not at all. So Anton goes to the house to get... He tells Rabbi to go see Josto and go alone. Don't take the kid. They went to... I thought this was Josto's house. It seemed like this is Josto's house. Um, or maybe this is the dad's house and everyone just hangs out there. But Anton's wife and his kids were there with Satchel and Rabbi. So I don't know if this is just like a common hangout spot. Like, is that how? Like, it just seems like this is like a spot, I guess, where people just kind of converge. And we see Satchel watching TV with the kids. And, you know, he's he's good. And Rabbi tells him to go upstairs while he leaves. And they're like, oh, okay. he's like, can I finish the show? And the lady who was Anton's wife was like, hey, you know, I'll make sure he gets upstairs after he finishes watching. So she was being nice to him. She's nice to him. And he's, you know, he's playing with her kids. So she didn't seem to really have any beef with it. When Rabbi leaves, then Anton's like, hey, kid, we're going to go for a ride. And his wife is like, uh, well, why? But then, like, she starts thinking about it and she puts two and two together and she realizes what's about to happen. And she kind of is like, uh, you sure about this? And he's like, look, woman, I got to do my job. So he takes them and he leaves. And now at this point, we're like, is Satchel really about to die? <laughs> like, are they really about to off this kid? Rabbi goes and meets with Josto. And he's like, what about the kid? Like, he tells him, you know, you got another assignment. And Josto's like, well, what about the kid? And he's like, I don't worry about the kid's gone. Kid's in the wind. And Rabbi's like, fuck. And instead of going and doing what he's told, he then hauls ass back to the house and looks for Satchel. He asks Anton's wife at gunpoint and shoots another one of his own people where the hell they've gone so at this oh, point these ain't his people no it's not rabbis i'm talking about well technically one of jostle he, he shot one of them. at this point okay so he he finds out where he at where he is goes gets the kid saves satchel satchel's fine at the same time it's kind of unfortunate because anton had changed his mind and wasn't really about to kill satchel so yeah but he dies yeah, that, Rabbi that has yeah it was like the, where were they at and yo i don't know I, I started questioning Satchel, like, his brain. I was like, I'm not going down them steps. <laughs> he's Not those he's, steps. Not them. By himself to go look at a signature. But that I mean, literally he, looks like you're walking to death. Yeah, yeah. And I don't care what age you are. It looks like death. Like, <laughs> the, whole, like, the whole area, the area that they were in looked like there had been some kind of fighting or a war. Like, like, clearly, like, something happened there, and it was, like, a graveyard of some sort out there. So I'm with you, and I would have been like, that's cool. Cool story, bro. I'm not going down there by myself. You're not coming with me? <laughs> yeah. I would have been kind of – most kids would have been hesitant to go down there. He did go down there a little too too easily um, to look and investigate. Yeah. But 
Rabbi saves the day. He saves him. And he tells him, like, look, we can't go home. You can't go home yet. Stuff's going on, and we need to wait till things die down. And then if you want to go home, I'll take you home. But we can't, like, you can't go there right now, basically. Um, and he tells him that this is this is what men do. Like, you got to handle business, and this is business is now kicking up. So He told him to look. Like, don't look away. This is what men do. At this point, it's very clear Rabbi can't go. Like, next episode is really going to be interesting. I'm really, like, I'm ready for next week's episode. Because you pulled a gun on Anton's wife, and you shot one of um, Josto's men in, in the house. So it is very clear where your loyalty, like, lies. It ain't with us. We don't know where it's at, but it ain't with us. So, yeah, that's that's going to cause a definitely kick up for, for Rabbi, for sure. What did you guys think about this? Like, what do you guys think about this episode? Um, Rabbi's oh. actions. Sure. I mean, I feel like it's just his, he sees himself in that kid. He doesn't want that kid to go down the same path he did. I feel like in a way he also regrets what he did. To his family? Um, yeah, he yeah. definitely does. They bring it up whenever they feel like it. And it <gasps> didn't, it didn't help him. He doesn't, somebody growing up in that particular situation, you don't have any sense of real loyalty and nobody is loyal to you. You, you're not loyal like your people let you go you know what i'm saying and and that's crazy because what do you do when you see that little brother well did they kill a little boy the other son yeah they did jesus all right well with that said you know it's an interesting thing because you don't have your family anymore and then you basically did this because you're ally with this family and that family oh, makes sure that they let you know all the time that no, I take that back. The kid that he was swapped with, wasn't it Josto? What? Josto, in the beginning, the kid that Rabbi was swapped with was Josto. Mm-hmm. Was so, it? no. So, yeah, no. No, but what I'm talking about, is, I'm talking about Rabbi's younger brother was supposed oh. to go. Wasn't well, yeah. that the case? Rabbi's yeah. younger brother was supposed to go, and the dad was like, nah, take him. Take Rabbi. Yeah. And that's why Rabbi went and did what he did because his dad didn't even follow the rules. The rules are you take you take the youngest child. You know what I mean? It doesn't have anything to do with you just picking whoever you want to go. So think about that. Think about you being the older sibling and dad says, nah, I don't want to take my baby. I want you. And it's like, well, damn, I don't have no loyalty. You don't have no loyalty towards me. And then I go and do what I do. It's just he ain't never going to be able to get that type of loyalty. He's better off going to fuck with Loy and just being being there because they know how to treat transplant. <laughs> Basically. This episode closes out with we get a shot in the hospital of the hallway. We hear the patient that um, Orita's been treating still yelling and whining. She goes in the room. The noise stops. She comes out and she's very happy with herself. So clearly she killed somebody. Yeah, this woman's a serial killer. It's definitely a serial killer. Fun fact, most women's serial killers are Sagittarius. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Somebody else did their research when they did that then. So next episode, we're definitely going to get Arita focusing on Ethel Rita, for sure. That's that's coming. That's We have like five episodes left. I believe there's still a lot of time for a lot of shit to happen. We've already, we've gotten bodies kicked up and stuff like that. So we are, we're heading down the, the, the back end of Fargo. And this is where shit really gets good. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good episode. All the episodes have been good. Uh, there's not, there hasn't really been a bad one. I feel like it, it started off kind of slow. 
But we we're, we're here now. We're here and we are in the shit. As they would definitely, say. The shit. definitely in the shit. So this week, since we only have two shows to chat about, there was a new movie out that on HBO. So which is the 2020 remake to the original 1990 Ronald Dow book, the OG movie that I think is a classic and I loved when I was a kid and watched way too many damn times of it. That was again like everything else this year, supposed to go out in the movie theaters, but it is now an HBO Max exclusive. And so, to be clear, it's an HBO Max exclusive. If you got HBO, this ain't on there. I did realize that <laughs> if you have a Roku, <laughs> you don't have HBO Max. You still have HBO. If you upgrade to HBO Max on your other devices, you no longer have access to just regular HBO. So you got to use your HBO Max account and upgrade to that. And unfortunately, you cannot use it on a Roku. So like I access it on my PlayStation. My smart TV has the HBO Max app. So you just I don't know. If, I don't know if it's if it's blocked anywhere else other than Roku at this point. I think it's just Roku. They play hardball. I was reading something about them. They are the biggest of the platforms between them and like Chromecast and the Fire Stick. Roku is the biggest of the platforms and they know that. So they actually make people pay to be on their platform. Mm-hmm. And HBO Go, I mean, HBO Max is like, yeah, I want no, I mean, I think that they were, I think it was all good, but I think it's more money or something like that. I'll let y'all know next podcast what that's about, but which makes sense because HBO now has all of these streaming rights to so much stuff. And I feel like HBO has the notoriety to be like, we don't excuse need me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and that's literally what they're doing. They're like, uh, okay, fine. Yeah, now people, people going to get HBO. Roku is not stopping people from getting HBO. So, yeah, strong flex from HBO. They right. If, um, anyway. <laughs> if, if you need it. If you get your Chromecast, the Chromecast, you can send anything from your phone to the Chromecast and watch it on your TV. So get your Chromecast if you have problems getting HBO Max. Yeah. Or if you have a PlayStation, again, the app is on PlayStation. Or if you have a smart TV. I have a Sony smart TV, so I down the HBO Max apps work. HBO yeah, it's, on my, it's on my Samsung, too. Okay. So but anyway, which is 2020 remake stars Anne Hathaway. I almost said Anne Hathaway. Um, <laughs> Anne Hathaway. It has Octavia Spencer. Oscar Award winners. Yes. Stanley Tucci. Jazir Kadim Bruno is the young man who plays the leading role in this remake. Is this the little boy that plays Satchel? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's younger. Yeah. Um, I looked up his IMDb and it wasn't that deep. And this, well, that would definitely won. This movie, as I watched it, and I was just like, this is cute. It's, it is, it's cute. If you again, if you like the original, you will you could enjoy this one, but you just also realize that you're 37 years old. Shit ain't for you. <laughs> oh, you tell people. Oh, you tell people how old you are. Got it. Shit, I'm grown. Obviously, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, yeah, in 1990, when if you enjoyed the original, <laughs> you're old now. Like so. Yeah, it's it's a cute remake, but you're not going to feel about it the way you felt about the original. It wasn't that scary. Huh? Wasn't that scary? Like, like it was legitimately. Witches was legitimately scary. However, I would like to reserve that for if this new one is scary to actual little kids. Exactly. That's my point. Because her arms do some weird shit. It could be the vent. That shit mm-hmm. with the vent when she was trying to get them in the vent. Oh my god, could you imagine? Like, 
So that's, and that's what I'm saying. Watching this through the lens of a 10-year-old, well, I don't know, today's 10-year-olds probably wouldn't find this scary. But watching it through the lens of a child, obviously, is very different than watching it through the eyes of an adult. Because now you're just like, oh, really great CGI. I appreciate the CGI. It is definitely still a... So a couple a couple things that they did with it, that they did different. Because the original was scary and it was dark. And if you look back at a lot of the things that we were getting around that time period, they were scarier. And probably because we just didn't have as good CGI and as good as makeup and things like we've progressed. But Angelica Houston's witch, when she took off her wig, and that shit was okay. heinous. Okay, I get you. The they made Anne Hathaway yeah. pretty witch. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was not as grotesque as Angelica Houston was. When she took that off and she had that horrible nose and the wart, like they made it a point to make those witches scary looking. Scary looking. This was definitely dialed down for sure. And after watching. I mean, go ahead. I agree. You got it. You got it. One of the things that they did do was they definitely made this more of a feelings movie because I don't remember, there was no real emotional tie-in with the kid and his grandma as there wasn't with this. Because the fact that they started off out the bat when he lost his parents. And that's why he went to go live with his grandmother. And they showed that. So from the gate, they get you tied into this kid emotionally. And Did into that happen situation. in the first one? I believe it is, but they didn't play it up like they played it up. In- I like I watched, so it's on Netflix, the original, for those that don't know. It's on Netflix. And I was watching, like, and I realized that I may have never watched the beginning of the movie ever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to realize that this isn't a movie that I've ever put on. You know what I'm saying? This is something that's been on television, and I watched it every time it was on television. But this gotcha. is not, wasn't, we didn't put movies on back then. I ain't had to tape. You know what I mean? So (laughs) I realized there's an entire setup for this movie. I thought this entire movie happened in the hotel, but Mm -hmm. that's not true. And it's the same as this new movie. But I went back and I watched it and I realized like they had a whole maybe 25 minutes or so before they even showed you this hotel and all of that. Basically, they explained to you how she lost her finger. They explained to you that Cause like he went into a room and he was like, mom, dad. And so I was like, okay. So they did kind of deal with it a little bit. However, mm-hmm. they did change it up a little bit. Like he had a pet mouse in the original one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There wasn't any pet mouses and they, wasn't there a different, they changed them into what animal at the beginning of this movie? It wasn't a mouse. It was a, a chicken. Chicken. Yeah. No, the, that was her telling the story of her friend who got turned to a chicken. Mm-hmm. Right, but I'm just saying, like, there was no... I don't think there was anything that had anything with a chicken. Explain that, that why she didn't have a finger. Mm-hmm. And then they went off into a tangent about that particular situation. But it wasn't specifically her, the way that they did this new movie. Well, they did say in the original Witches that her grandma had that friend that went missing when she met that witch. And she disappeared into the painting. And the grandma kept that painting and her friend kept getting older. In that painting and changing uh, yeah. positions. We get that emotional tie-in in this one with showing more of the grandma's backstory about what happened to her. Um, so we, we get that. Now... Yo, the movie was mad dark. She pushed the baby you know, down the hill. All right, so... Which <laughs> in the one? first one. In the first one, she pushed the baby down the hill. Remember? Y'all don't, uh, never mind. We go, I'm going to watch it again. The original one at that time was controversial because the book had... The book was controversial because 
a lot of the themes in it were related to like Nazi undertones. Like there was the controversy with this book when it came out was that the whole potion to get rid of kids and that whole we're going to exterminate the children of the world was very close or was a little too close to the Nazis plan to get rid of kids and people. So like what's the problem with Nazis? I mean, what's not not like what's the problem with Nazis, <laughs> but like the juxtaposition, what's the problem to making the Nazis seem bad? That's what I meant. Oh, no. I mean, it's just I mean, but you roll that up into a children's book. And evidently, I guess Ronald Dahl has gotten like I mean, does he hate kids? He made Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, so I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> but so I mean, I'm just saying there was controversy surrounding the original projects. So this one, they they you know were like this was a good movie. It's a good movie. It's you can watch it. Kids can watch it. What I have realized with a lot of these movies that are coming out is we are just seeing a lot of our childhood movies, books, and things that we enjoyed as kids being made into content. And it makes sense because the people that are making it are of our age, which this movie, when it got to the credits and I seen it and I was just like, okay, all of this now. Robert Zemeckis, we knew was tied to this project, who I did not know was tied to this project, was Alfonso Cuaron. And if his name sounds familiar, it's because he did The Prisoner of Azkaban, which was the darkest Harry Potter movie. So that also made my one of my favorite people, Guillermo del Toro, which then lends to ah the CGI the prosthetics, the look of it, Pan's Labyrinth, what he's done with, what is it, the dude with the red, the red Hellboy. Guy. Hellboy. So, okay, I see where Guillermo del Toro. And then Kenya Burris, or Kenya Barris um, as well. So I feel like, I, I don't know whose idea this was to make this movie, but I understand why all of these people are attached to it based on what it looks like. It makes sense. And it was done well. I did not know that Guillermo del Toro was Involved. attached to it. Yeah. And now, now that you said that, because we had the conversation last podcast about whether or not we critique, we didn't talk about it, but if we critique black movies the same way we critique white movies, uh-huh. I didn't see a touch of Guillermo del Toro in this. And now that you said that, I'm kind of disappointed in the movie a little bit. Um, there was more CGI than effect makeup, but there was still a decent amount of effect makeup. If that, like. I just feel like if you got a Guillermo del Toro, yeah, it's like I I cust- or I associate him more with the practical effects, yeah, than uh, CGI. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, when you, my yeah. thing is like <laughs> they have bald head. They weren't even really. I don't know. He didn't have a lot to wit. That's all. I don't know if he had a lot to wit. And because, like I said, I watched the original, and the original just a bunch of old ladies. They had like sores on their head. You know what I'm saying? Like, when they mm-hmm. took off their hats, or I mean, their wigs or whatever, they had sores on their head. But it wasn't a lot. Um, the only person that really had a lot going on was the Grand High Witch. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, when she pulled that worm out of her head. <laughs> like, what the Bruh. fuck? <laughs> Bruh. But, you know, the first movie um, was Jim Henson. Jim Henson. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro has built on... Like, Guillermo del Toro is the modern-day Jim Henson point-blank period. Like, when you talk about puppeteers, animatronics and stuff in movies and he is who people go to when you would have went to Jim Henson for stuff like if you look at a lot of these movies now when you see his name attached to it, you're like all right yeah okay got it we know what you're here for we know what we're going to see um there's gonna be some very interesting visual in this movie because he like that's his lane but he's also a great director so um yeah I mean I think it was overall it was a cleaner movie um which again it's 2020 so it should be cleaner it was a lot of CGI. Some parts I was like, did that even need to be CGI? <laughs> um, but 
but it was. <laughs> but again, Zemeckis, Polar Express. I'm going to say this. Go ahead. I'm going to say this. Anne Hathaway, she's something special. She's one of the weirdest looking people in the world. <laughs> but boy, man, she be doing, She's she does a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of different stuff. Like, she's done a whole heap of different roles that show her little acting chop. Mm-hmm. Y'all agree? I do. No, no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy Anne Hathaway as an actress. And I like seeing grown-up Anne Hathaway do things. Well, I will say this. That <laughs> ending was mad dark. Um, if you really think about it, like, it wasn't a happy ending. Like, that kid's life got cut in half. They were like, you know what? Mice only lived for, like, 15 years, so you'll be straight. We'll spend our lives together and then die together. Okay, yeah. He seemed <laughs> the, the rat aged faster than Grandma aged. Yeah. That was one thing. I was like, the mouse is the rat. When, the end when it was, like, Chris Rock as his old-aged gray mouse. And Granny's still kind of looking young. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, okay. I guess this is a happy movie. Um, but yes, them like, seeing life at the end um, and him just living his best life. And then sending kids on a mission to kill witches was uh, arming children of <laughs> yeah. the world with this potion to turn witches into mice. <laughs> that they're going to put in the Girl Scout cookies. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, if that's the place, cookies. yeah, that's, I'm saying Thin Mints are my week. So I get it. I just thought about why didn't they just go up in there with all the garlic? Why the garlic kept getting mentioned, but they never used it, and that got used. Well, no, they put the potion in the pea soup anyway. So, which is it's cute, it's watchable, yeah, not bad, not bad. Back again. So, Dexter, what's your sleeper? My sleeper is in time, it's a movie with Justin Timberlake and Amanda Sig. It's star, it's basically a movie where people stop aging at about 25, I think it was. And instead of using paper money, they use time as a currency. Everybody has a clock on their arm that counts down how long they have. It's interesting because you literally can get on the bus with time. You can gamble with time. You can, I mean, every single thing is time currency. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where like rich people have a whole lot of time. You know what I mean? And then poor people, they're struggling with, having this time and they can't do things based off of their time being so little. You know what I mean? The interesting thing about this movie is they have different classes and basically you can't go to another class, which is in a different area. Like you can't go to this city because you don't have enough money to get to this city. You know what I mean? And it's interesting though. um, Something happens where Justin Timberlake gets gifted all of this time and it kind of changes how people treat you how you treat people. Very, very interesting concept. It has Olivia Wilde in it, who plays his mother, I believe. And, you know, Olivia Wilde and Justin Timberlake, they can't be that far apart in age. But mm-hmm. based off of this particular type of movie, um, that's what happened. Um, Cillian Murphy is in it, too. I believe he's the cop. I haven't watched it in a while, but he's the cop that's, like, chasing people that cheat time. Very interesting. I don't... You've never seen it, right? Armani, you said you've seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. You didn't like it that much? Uh, just not a Justin Timberlake fan. Oh, respect. Okay, that sounds interesting. Armani, what's your sleeper? Uh, my sleeper is in Spirit of Spooky Season. It is called The House That October Built. It's one of those found footage horror movies. Um, it's basically following <laughs> a group of um, those people that go around and they do extreme haunted houses. Mm-hmm. And they get invited to like the most extreme haunted house and you... Sh- 
quickly you see that things are amiss. You can find it on Netflix. It's, I won't say it's the best film, but it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie to watch. Okay. My sleeper this week. I don't know sleeper now. Um, we might, we might, like, we probably could do a whole show on that show. Like. Yeah, which is why I don't really, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to use it as a sleeper. Um, okay. My sleeper this week is Vikings, which I just started on. Um, it's on Hulu. You can watch, actually all six seasons are on Hulu. If you don't have Hulu, I've heard you got to like pay for that last season. But anyway, so I like period piece things. We've already mentioned this before. Um, it is very much the story of North Norse mythology with, you've got Lothki, uh, which essentially is Loki. You've got Ragnar. I like it so far. I've only, I'm only like, two episodes into the first but shit is good i've seen i've been seeing i've been it's been on my watch list for a while now and i just hadn't started it um but i started it and i'm just like oh okay i should have started this a while ago so i could be caught up (laughs) with the rest of the world but hey now there's just like six seasons six seasons of things for me to binge watch so my my sleeper is viking um yeah if you just want to see like good battle scenes and good fight scenes and things like that and a good story again. If you if you like the Norse mythology, then you will probably also find this entertaining. And there are women in here to cast, so there's that too. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's my sleeper. It's Vikings. It's Discovery Channel and Hulu, so it's live on TV on Discovery. Um, but again, you can find it on Hulu to watch all the season. Anybody got anything else? No, I think that's a podcast. That's a podcast. So hey. if you're listening to this, which one we greatly appreciate especially those of you who come back week after week and tune in and listen to us rattle on about the stuff and things that we're watching. Fun fact, like 70% of our listeners are listening on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to like, rate, subscribe to the podcast. Drop us a message. Let us know what you think. We do see that there are people listening. So definitely, you know, drop a message. Let us know. Again, you can find us on all the social meds. Uh, Twitter, House of Blurds, Instagram, follow us at House of Blurds, Facebook, House of Blurds. Yeah, let us know what you're watching, what you think about our opinions of what we're watching, and what are you watching? So what else is out there? What are some sleepers? Uh, Feel free to recommend those as well. Until next time, take care of yourselves and be good.